All right, good morning, everybody. Uh, thanks for being here with us today. We're glad you're here. This is the last week of this series, Landmark, for the last nine weeks. Uh, we have been talking about what it looks like for us to find God uh, right in our everyday lives, what it looks like for us to be faithful uh, to him uh, in, in these places. And, and, and I've thought a lot about what I wanted to say uh, on, on this day, what the last thing I would want to talk about uh, might be. And, and, and I think it's really this. I think that I am convinced um, to, to my core that God has more that, that he wants to do. That he's got more than he wants to do with you. That he's got more that he wants to do with me. And that he has more that he wants to do with us together. That there are, are greater things, more significant things, bigger things, new things that he wants. I think God wants us to press in to some things that we have been doing already. I think God wants us to be creative and step into some new things that he has for us. And I, I love the things that we do right now. I, I'm grateful for a lot of the things that I get to be uh, involved in in my life, but there is no part of me uh, that believes that our story is done, not even close. I think that the best is yet to come for you, uh, for me, and for Westwinds. So as we think about how we would end a series about being where we are and finding God in those moments, what I really want to think about is how we carry it forward. It is time for the series to end, mostly because I don't have any other things to say about Elijah <laughs> after today. I've run out. But what I really would like to see happen is I'd like to see for myself, for you, and for us as a, as, as a community, as a church, I'd like to see this idea that we would find God in our everyday and that we would listen to him and that we would believe he is speaking to us to call us to greater things in our everyday, that we would hang on to that and we would move forward and that things would change in us and then ultimately through us in our city and in our world because of that. So, so that's what I wanna do today. If you got your phones with you, um, I want you to take them out. I'm gonna open up the app you use to take notes. So I'm a Google guy. You can answer it, whoever that is, while, while you're taking it out. But um, I'm, I'm a Google guy, so I like to use Google Keep. Uh, but if you're an iPhone, whatever that, that phone is, uh, if you use that one, uh, then the Notes app, something like that. If you don't know what your Notes app is, you can ask a friend. If, you don't, if they don't know, then just anything where you can type on your phone. Get that out. I want you to type these three words into a note on your phone. Field, mantle, and plow. Field mantle, and plow. And today in the last story that we look at in the life of Elijah, I wanna talk about what it might look like for us to sustain this, what it might mean for us to be more, to do more, to follow God into greater things that he might have for us. And so to do that, I wanna give you three ideas. Find the field, take the mantle, and burn the plow. So that's where we're going to jump in. And we'll start with this idea of finding the field. Now, this story about Elijah introduces us to another character in the biblical narrative whose name is Elisha. Elijah and Elisha. I know it doesn't seem fair that they would be that close together. The easy way to remember is Elijah with a J comes first and then Elisha with the S comes second. So they're in alphabetical order. 
Um, but the story that we want to look at today picks up right after the one we talked about two weeks ago. If you weren't here, you can go find the, um, the video of it online. But it was the time when Elijah followed God 40 days and 40 nights to a cave because he wanted to know what God had for him to do next. If you remember this, Elijah was trying to hear from God. He, he, he couldn't quite figure out what to do. So he takes this big trip and has this dramatic experience. There's an earthquake. There's a windstorm. There's fire that falls from heaven. And then in a whisper, God says, I have something for you to do. And that is where this picks up is actually the answer, what God told him to do. And you would think after all of that, after the theatrics, after the 40 days, that God would have something significant. Because remember, Elijah's been through some stuff. Elijah has seen God take care of him. Elijah has stood up against the false prophets of Baal. He has been hunted by Queen Jezebel and King Ahab. He has been through some stuff. And it seems like now might be the time when God was like, the next thing you do is going to be really, really cool and really powerful. But instead, he says something different. Let me show you what he says here. This is God talking to Elijah after all of those things in a whisper. He says, I want you to anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be king of Israel, and then anoint Elisha, son of Snapchat, and whatever, from um, the town of wherever, uh, to replace you as my prophet. <laughs> the thing that God tells him to do is he says, wait for it. I want you to find your replacement because your time is coming to an end. Doesn't that seem strange? I mean, if you were Elijah, if I were Elijah, I would have gone through all of this thinking that the next thing God was going to tell me to do was going to be something where I was the hero, <laughs> something where I got to do something significant. But instead, he says, I want you to go find this guy, Elisha, and I want you to anoint him because he's what's next. And that's what Elijah does. It says he goes and he finds this guy plowing a field. Just imagine being Elijah, the older one, standing at the edge of this field, looking out and seeing some random guy out there doing his work and going, seriously? This is the next thing that you have for me to do is to find and train this guy? Now, the question is why? Why in the middle of a moment when Elijah still had more to give would the next thing be this? And, and maybe a better question is, why would God go to such lengths, the windstorm, the earthquake, the fire, to get Elijah's attention so that he could whisper to him, you gotta go find this guy because he's next. I think the reason is because God doesn't see things the same way that we do. God has a different perspective than we have. God's perspective is a kingdom perspective. And by that, I mean that God is really, really clear on what he wants to accomplish in the world. And you might remember last week, we talked about a specific verse uh, in 1 Corinthians where Paul says that God takes people and places them wherever he wants to place them. So God has a really specific goal that he is trying to accomplish in the world. He has this kingdom perspective. But not only is God's perspective a kingdom perspective, it's also an eternal perspective. And by eternal, I mean, it is not bound by time. Here's one way that God describes it when he's talking to the prophet Isaiah in the book of Isaiah. He says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. My ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. Just like heaven is higher than earth, so my ways are higher than yours and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. This is just God saying, look, I don't see things the same way that you do. I have this bigger, broader perspective. 
And just think for a minute about the fact that God's perspective is not bound in by time. That means that God is not concerned about who is actually the hero of a story. God isn't concerned that the thing he starts with you finishes with you. As much as Elijah might have been concerned that he still had more to give, that wasn't the thing that God was worried about in that moment. God was thinking about his kingdom agenda. God was thinking about the work that he wanted to do in the world. And because of that, he was just placing people where he needed them to be. And I think sometimes for us, we get limited in our ability to find greater impact. We get limited in our ability to do more, to be more significant because we have bought into this lie that we somehow are the center of the story that the story is about us, that it is about us doing things that we are supposed to do in the world, and that's the only thing that matters. Now, this is not for me to say, I'm okay, I'll be, I've got water right there if I need it. I'll just grab it. Um, <laughs> I thought you might be gonna get me a cup of water. I know, such a, Dave, how about Dave being back? And I, this is a guy's just a servant. <laughs> yeah, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah. The, yeah, the field. I think for most of us, we buy into this idea that somehow this story has to revolve around us. And if you think about that that way, then it's gonna be really easy for you to have in the back of your mind, I'm running out of time. I only have a little bit of time to do the thing that God has told me to do, and it's about me somehow. But listen, let me set you free from that. This isn't your story. This is God's story. God is the one telling this story. He has given you a part to play. He has given me a part to play, but it is not about you. And it is not about me. It is about what he is doing, which means that he can use us. He can move us. He can call us whenever he pleases because he has a perspective that we don't have. Elijah might've stood at the edge of that field and thought, what in the world am I doing messing around with this clown who even knows what he can do? But if you read the story of Elisha that comes after that, Elisha did twice as many miracles as Elijah did. God used Elisha to change entire, the, the entire economy of a nation through the things that he did. He was a powerful prophet used by God and God knew that's what was going to happen. And because Elijah, the older one, was willing to be obedient and to play his role in the story and realize it wasn't about him, something happened. So I think for us, we just got to find our fields. Where are the places where God is asking you to invest? Where are the places where God is asking you to come alongside of other people? And we best believe that in those moments, God is using us to launch someone else. God is using us to help the next generation of people who will carry on his kingdom mission. It is the most short-sighted thing we can do to somehow think that the story either begins with us or ends with us. It started way before you and it will go way after you. And the best thing you have to offer to the story of God in the world right where you are is just to be faithful and to invest in other people. So maybe that's at home for you. Maybe that is your place where you, where you go, this is the, the spot where I'm supposed to help other people launch. You know, maybe it's at your workplace. Maybe it is in a group of friends. Maybe there's a specific person who keeps coming to your mind and you go, I feel like God is asking me to invest in them. And maybe it's a little hard to do right now. Maybe it just feels like they, they don't know what they're doing yet, but maybe God's asking you to do that. So we gotta be faithful to that because it's not about us. 
If you don't know where to start with that, let me tell you a couple places that should matter to every single one of us in this room. And that is our kids ministry, kids journey, and our student ministry, student journey. Both of those places should matter to us because right down this hallway and across the street tonight, down the road over at the Hub Teen Center, there are going to be groups of people, some right now and some later on today, that are gathered together with our kids and with our teenagers investing in them. Isn't it kind of interesting that here's Elisha, this younger guy, he's just out plowing in a field, right? Meanwhile, there's this conversation happening about him that he doesn't even know. Elijah and God are over here saying, hey, something's going on. Like God's got a calling on this guy's life. He doesn't even know it until this older person comes along and says, God has something for you. Isn't that interesting? He doesn't take him to a, to like a, like discover, discover yourself help seminar or whatever like that. He just comes and goes, come on, you're with me now. It's time to get moving. There are, uh, there is a generation of young people, children and teenagers who are listening to God. God is speaking to them. Think about it. God has plans for them. He has ways that he wants to use them. And he has placed them in a church, in a community of people who are also listening to God. So we have the responsibility to pay attention to those fields. You know what I'm saying? We have the responsibility to look at those places. Now, maybe, maybe you're in here and you're actually in middle school or high school and you hear me saying that and you're like, awesome, you know, it's everyone's job to raise me now or something like that. But the reality is it doesn't matter how old you are. If you're in middle school or high school, guess what? There's somebody younger than you. There's somebody right around you. You have been given a field and it might be a gross one like third hour algebra or something like that, but God's given you a place and that is your job to invest there. And anyone who has had someone else do that for them could stand up here right now and give testimony that that's what changes the game for people, right? What changes us is when somebody steps in and does that. For me, it was 10th grade, 10th grade in a speech class. And I've, I've always loved the sound of my own voice, which is the key ingredient to being good at talking. And I remember this particular speech class, I gave a speech. Um, I don't remember what the assignment was, but I wanted it to be really funny. So I did this big elaborate thing that was really funny and I did voices and all kinds of things. After the class was over, my speech teacher, who, who was a Christian, um, called me off the side and, and asked me to stay after. And he said, listen, he said, you didn't do anything that I asked you to do for the assignment. He said, it's a solid F. He said that, that you just didn't do the right thing. And I said, okay. And he said, but listen, and he looked me right in the eye and he said, you're good at this. He said, you kept everyone's attention and you were funny. And he said, maybe God is calling you to do this for, for, for him. Maybe God is asking you to be a part of this. Still gives me chills to think about. That moment where somebody else stepped into my field because they realized that it wasn't just about them, it changed my life. It changed the direction of everything that I was gonna do. A couple months ago, I got an opportunity for a ran through a random set of circumstances to connect back with him. And we were sitting, we were having lunch and, and he was just telling me that he was proud of me. He's a pastor of a church now. That's a smaller church than Westwind. So he was saying to me, yeah, well, you know, you've, you've got some things that you have to deal with at Westwind's in the hub that I don't have to. And you've gone to school. Like he was basically just giving me a hard time about the fact that I've kind of gone further in his mind. But I just sat there and looked at him and said, man, I wouldn't have had anything. I'd just be a guy plowing in a field somewhere if it wasn't for the fact that you stepped up, thought about something bigger than yourself and invited me into the story of God. That's the opportunity and the responsibility we have. 
So the first thing is we've got to find the field and we've got to invest in it. The second thing is you've got to take the mantle. I want to switch a little bit here to Elisha and I want to think about his reality. Let's look again about what it tells us. Elijah comes to find him and it says that he found him plowing a field, 12 teams of oxen in the field and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Now, if you understand the culture of what's going on in the Bible, here's a couple things you can know. First of all, Elisha is either well off or he is managing the estate of someone who is well off. Normally, a family would have one pair of oxen. That was the normal amount to have. So Elisha is in charge of 12 teams of oxen. So that means that he's probably most likely managing someone else's field. If it was his, he probably wouldn't be plowing in it on his own. He would probably have other people to do that. So this is his reality. Every day he gets up, he comes to the field. He is on the 12th team out of 12 teams of oxen with the plow moving forward. Just think about what that's like, right? Think about the smells, if that's your job. <laughs> you ever drive out, you know, into the country somewhere and you got your windows down, you're just enjoying the sun and all of a sudden that good old farm smell just hits you. It'll wipe you right out. I mean, it's hard to concentrate or think about anything. Imagine if that was your everyday reality, the same thing over and over again. And think about the view out his office window. <laughs> just a couple big old oxen butts. That's the only thing that he sees every day behind the oxen. And if somehow he manages to look past that, you know what's right in front of that? Another set of oxen and so on and so forth. Every day, this guy gets up and he goes and he does this. And you know where he does it? A field. Far away from anything that feels significant, anything that feels important, anything that feels meaningful. You ever felt that way before? You ever felt like your life was getting up, going somewhere with a really bad view and a really bad smell, and you just did it over and over and over again? I mean, someone in this room or watching online might have heard me say at the beginning that I think God is calling us to greater, that I think God is calling us to more significance, and you might have just laughed in your own head. Are you kidding? I work a plow. That's my job. There's nothing significant about that. But isn't it interesting that it's right in the middle of that ordinary moment, the moment that has repeated itself day after day after day, that everything changes for Elisha. It's in that moment that God shows up and says, I have something for you to do. I have something more. I have something better. I have something greater. I have greater significance for you. And it happens in a strange kind of way. It says that while he was out plowing, Elijah went over to him, the older prophet, took his cloak or his mantle is the, is the better translation there, threw it across his shoulders and then walked away. Just picture it in your mind. Doesn't it sound like something that should happen really late at night at a Taco Bell? <laughs> If I came in here and said to you, hey, weird thing happened. Last night about you know, 2.30 in the morning, I was at Taco Bell because um, I like to party and I was getting a burrito and a guy came up to me. He was wearing a cape and then he put it over my shoulders and then he slowly backed away. Would anyone, having been in our Taco Bell in Jackson, would anyone think that story was made up? I don't think, I don't think any of us would. I think we'd all believe that could happen. It's an odd little thing that goes on here, but it's not as random as you think because in the ancient world, the mantle, 
which was really just a cloak made out of animal hair, was significant. If you had a mantle, it meant that you had some sort of authority. You were a leader in your community. You were a leader in your family. uh, You were even a leader in, in government. And to give your mantle to someone else was to say, I am giving what I have to you. So it was a very, very significant thing that happened here. So right in the middle of the ordinary, right in the middle of the monotonous, right in day 300 of doing the same thing over and over again, God shows up in this amazing way and says to Elisha, it's your time right now. And, and I think it's easy for us to hear this and, and think, oh, okay, I get it. If I have a job, then God must be calling me to do something different. If I'm doing well and making money, God must be asking me to get rid of that money and give up my job and, you know, go, you know, go travel around and be a monk and help the poor. Or God must be asking me to, you know, to get rid of all of those things. Or maybe you're on the other side of that and you find yourself going, you know what? I'm just, I'm just really limited right now. I'm, 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 I'm older I have young kids at home. I don't have the ability to do any of these kind of things. So, so it's really easy for us in, in, in a couple different directions just to go, well, maybe this isn't really the thing for me. Maybe this isn't the thing that I'm supposed to do right now. But I want to show you how Jesus said this in, in, in John chapter 14. He said it this way. He was talking to his followers about what it means to kind of to, to, to follow him fully. And he said this, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. I want you to see a couple things in there. Anyone, first of all, and then who believes in me, which is to say, who has faith. Anyone who has faith has the ability to do something great. And this doing something great does not always mean that you have to do something different. Sometimes doing something great for God isn't about doing a different thing. It's about doing the same thing in a different way. So if you are the person with young kids at home, if you are the the person who feels like you don't have that much to offer because of your age or your situation, look at what it says. Anyone, not anyone who's smart, not anyone who's strong, not anyone who's young, not anyone who's rich. It just says anyone who believes that God could show up in a moment and ask you to do something right where you are, they have the ability to do even greater things. Greater meaning more significant, not meaning bigger. Because sometimes the greater thing God is calling you to do will feel like it's going in reverse, you know? Sometimes it'll feel like God's asking you to do something greater, but it's less noticeable to other people. And, 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 and it's a little bit less public. But I think the point is that God calls us out of the ordinary moments. And all we have to do to take this mantle is we just have to be ready. We just have to be willing. Anyone who has faith, anyone who believes that in a moment God could show up and speak to us this way, he'll do it. You know, this mantle here was given by Elijah to Elisha. So from one guy to another. But the Bible is pretty clear that what we've been given comes from Jesus. And it comes in the form of his Holy Spirit, which means that God can actually come right now in a moment and speak to us and say, this is what I have for you. He can call us to step into something more deeply. He can call us to step out into something new that he has going. We just have to believe that that's what he wants to do. And we just have to be ready to respond. That's what I mean when I say take the mantle. Be ready to accept the calling of God and know that it will show up right in the middle of your ordinary life. 
So we find the field and we invest in others. We take the mantle and we listen for that call of God right in the middle of ordinary. And then lastly, we burn the plow. I want you to see how Elisha responds when Elijah puts this call on his life. Here's what it says. It says, Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah, said, first, let me go kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I'll go with you. And Elijah Elijah replied, go on back, but think about what I've done to you. So so Elisha goes, let me have a little bit of time. I'm going to close things up. And Elijah says, that's fine, but don't take too long. I think Elisha understands here that everything's about to change that God has put a calling on his life. So he's going to say goodbye. And then he does this. It says he returned to his oxen and he slaughtered them. Used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh, gross. And then he passed around the meat to the townspeople and they all ate. Then he went with Elijah as his assistant. He does a couple things here. One that's pretty normal and one that's not as normal. The normal thing is actually uh, killing his oxen. And that was a culture where animal sacrifice was very normal. And he actually killed these oxen and then used it to provide food for the people in his village. That was normal. What wasn't normal was that he burned the wood from his plow and used it to create a barbecue so he could cook the meat. His plow was the thing that let him make money. His plow was the thing he used for his job. It was the safety net that he had. Think about it. If the thing with Elijah didn't work out, like if the mantle got thrown on the wrong guy by accident, then he had his plow. He had something that he could go back to. But he burns it. And it seems like a dramatic move, doesn't it? I mean, if you felt like God told you to move, would you burn your house? (laughs) Probably not. You'd probably sell it, right? That would make more sense in that moment. Why does he, in this moment, do this grand gesture of burning his plow? I'll tell you why. It's surrender. Elisha is making sure that there is nothing that is holding him back from the thing that he feels like God wants him to do. He is making sure that he doesn't have a safety net. And I will tell you this about us, and I include myself. We are great at contingency plans, aren't we? We are great at hedging our bets. We are great at plan Bs. It is really easy for us to look at a situation and go, yep, I feel like God is calling me to do something or I feel like God is calling me to invest in something, but I'm just gonna keep one hand back here on the plow. I'm just gonna hold on to this one thing just in case this whole Jesus thing doesn't work out just in case it gets hard, just in case it gets stressful, just in case I start to get discouraged or I start to doubt or I start to worry. I'll just make sure that I got this one other thing. So it's always Jesus plus one, right? It's always Jesus and the other thing. Just like for him, it could have been, well, it's follow Elijah and I've got my plows kind of set back in another spot. It's follow Elijah and I have the other thing. Follow Elijah and I've got my money. Follow Jesus, and I've got these other things. The point here is surrender. What do we need to give up to be able to follow Jesus fully? I just think sometimes we start in in the wrong place. I think we feel like maybe God is calling us into something right where we are, something greater, something more significant, and then we just run towards that. But the problem is we're tethered to this thing over here. So we can only get so far 
We can only get so close to this thing because we have something that's holding us back over here. I don't think the place to start, if you want to be more significant, if you want to be a part of greater things, don't start with the greater thing. Start by going back here and burning the plow. Start by getting rid of the things that are holding you back. So when you come to God, you can say, God, here I am. I'm a clean slate. I am all yours. Whatever you want me to do, there is nothing else that is competing for my allegiance. And again, that doesn't mean that you sell all your possessions. It doesn't mean you quit your job. It doesn't mean any of that. It just means that you prioritize Jesus and you make sure to ask the question, is there anything that is holding me back? Are there any plows that I'm holding on to in case this other thing doesn't work out? And it can be anything. You know, it's interesting. I mean, in Elijah's case, his plow wasn't a bunch of drugs. It wasn't something bad. <laughs> it was actually a plow that provided for people. It was a good thing. The thing that limits us, the thing that keeps us from the greater that God has, it doesn't have to be bad. In fact, a lot of times it isn't bad. A lot of times it's a good thing that we're just relying on more than we're relying on him. So figure out what that is. Sometimes it's money. Sometimes it's forgiveness. Bitterness, pride, it's a whole lot of things that can play that role. And we just have to decide that we're gonna get rid of them. And, and here's the truth. If you don't burn that plow, guess what? God still loves you. There's good news for all of us. God's love for us is not based on how quickly we give ourselves fully to him. He loves you no matter what. But if you hold on to the lesser thing, you can't be surprised that you don't fully get the greater thing that God has for you. And I have seen people time and time again who have just wondered, I don't get it. I wanna give myself to God. I wanna do greater things and they just don't seem to be materializing. I'm going, it's because you got your hand back here, man. You're holding on to something else that is keeping God from giving you this greater thing that he has from you. The lesser thing will always block the greater thing. So we just gotta burn the plow. Find a field, burn the plow. What was the second one? Take the mantle, good. Those three things, that's what we have to do. So if you got your phone and you wrote that little note down, take it out again for just a second. I want you to think about this. <laughs> I couldn't remember the middle one. I want you to think about this for a second. <laughs> Next to field, I want you to write the place or the person that you feel like God's asking you to invest in. Where is it? Maybe you're a teacher and it's your school. Maybe it's in your neighborhood somewhere. Maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's a specific person that comes to mind and you just go, I feel like for whatever reason, God keeps putting me in the life of this person. Just write that down. Next to mantle, just type what you think it might be that God might be asking you to do in the middle of ordinary. Or maybe there's a place where you go, you know what? I am here right now and I don't think God's asking me to step out to something different because I'm in school or because I'm a mom or because I have this job and it, and it matters. I don't think God's asking me to step out, but I do think he's asking me to step up. So next to mantle, where, where, just write down what the calling, where do you think God is asking you to step out or, or, or step up in something? And then next to plow, just be honest with yourself. What's the thing you're holding on to? What's your plan B? What's the thing you're relying on that is, that is limiting God from having full control in your life and then from taking you to greater things. You know, for the last two months, we've been talking about this stuff and it's been 
it's been a lot of fun for me. I, I, I've really enjoyed getting to do this. And I know I said this a few weeks ago, but at the end of the day, even though I get to stand up here and get a microphone, I'm, I'm just a guy who's trying to figure this out the same way as everyone else in this room is. I wanna be really faithful to God in the places he has put me. I want my life to count. I wanna be a good husband, a good father, a good friend, a good neighbor. I wanna be all these things. And so the fact that I've been able to stand up here with a microphone in my hand and say some things that maybe have resonated with you, but really were just kind of for me first, that's, that's humbling. I'm, I'm really grateful for that. And I'm grateful for it because I, because I love you. <laughs> I love this church. This, this, is, this is my home and this is my place. If I wasn't a pastor here, I'd go here, <laughs> right? And so I hope you hear this. From, from my heart as just a dude <laughs> talking to a room full of people. I don't think God's done here. And not only that, I think that the best is still to come. And I don't mean that just for, my, for me. I don't mean that just for you as an individual. I mean it for us. I think God wants to use this church and this group to reach out in a way that has generational impact. We're the next leaders of the church the next people who are carrying the gospel message forward are trained and grown up here. I think we've got these fields all around us and I think God wants from this place that to happen. I think God is putting callings on our lives right now, right where we are, right in the moment we are, he is saying, I have more for you. Step up, step in to, where the, where the, to the places where I've put you. I think God is asking us to do that. And then I think God's asking us to let go of some things because he's got something better for us. I think he is inviting us to let go of lesser things so he can give us greater things. And I just can't but help but think as this whole thing kind of comes to an end. What would happen if we just did that? What would happen if we invested in people? What would happen if we listened to that call of God in the middle of our ordinary lives? And what would happen if we let go of some things and surrendered so we could be fully available to him? I think we would see things happen that would blow our minds. I believe that. So as one guy to a room full of other people who are all living in the same town, trying their best to live their lives, this is me saying that I plant my flag here. This is my landmark. It's right here in this place. And I hope this is something that we can do together because I believe in my gut that God has greater things for all of us and those greater things are gonna change the world. I'm gonna pray for us. God, we love you. And, and we are, thank you that you would invite us into anything that you're doing. Uh, so God, help us to be surrendered fully to you. Help us to give everything we have to you in the places where you have put us. God, keep us from pulling back, but instead help us just to lean in even more. Help us to pay more attention. Help us to love people more fully. Help us to follow you with everything that we have, knowing that if we do that, we get everything that you have to give us. We love you. Amen.